to have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We'll be in Galatians all through the service today. And we are continuing our series on here's some good news. So I promised you last week that we are inundated with a lot of bad news. And my job here today and each Sunday is to say, well, here's some good news. And we do this in counter to the way the world works. Satan wants you to think that all the news is bad all the time. Nothing good is going on. When you are looking at life that way, you become miserable. And your heart begins to become discouraged and despondent. And then he can uh, direct your, uh, your anxiety into anger and bitterness. And then you will either harm others or you'll harm yourselves. That's just the way it's, it's his technique. So what Jesus has done is he's offered to us some good news. In the face of any news we might face, here's some good news. And that's what we're going to talk about today, especially in light of it being the 4th of July tomorrow. We are talking about the Declaration of Independence a lot. So today we're going to talk about the good news, which is you are free. You are free. What does that mean? What we can celebrate as a country doesn't mean that we get to set off fireworks. No, that's not what it means. We can do that because we're free. Does it mean we get to uh, indulge in all the hamburgers and hot dogs and brats that we want over the weekend? No, that's not what it means. All we can do it because we're free. Does it mean we get to make homemade ice cream or uh, slice open a watermelon or enjoy all the wonderful treats that we do during uh, this weekend? Well, no, that's not what freedom is, but we can do that because we're free. It's important for us to understand this concept of freedom. Our founding fathers understood it. And it's important for us to make that connection between this promise that you are free. And as uh, Jack was sharing with us, parts of the Declaration of Independence. He said, and I repeat, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among them uh, these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now we can look at some earlier drafts of Thomas Jefferson's declaration. And when you say pursuit of happiness, we might think of it in one way. But what he intended, and they just kind of formed it in this way because of the vernacular of the day, uh, what he meant was that we have the right to property and in our own uh, self-reliance, our own individualism, that we don't need to depend upon a king or a monarch or, or a dictator to provide that force, that we can own our own land, pursue our own dreams of happiness. That's what he meant by that. But you notice he said that those are gifts by the creator. Now, why would he have to say they're endowed by the creator? Well, it's because for the 6,000 years before that, there was this effort to always subjugate men by other men or women to become kings or queens or dictates or emperors or whatever, that one person would be better than all the rest. They would have royal blood, royal line, and they would have everyone else serve them. And in many instances, uh, especially uh, as after the, the Christian period or after Christ came, when kings or queens would take their place, they say that they were God's royal 
uh, appointee to watch over the people, and then the people would make them rich and give them jewels and stuff like that. That was a pretty good deal, don't you think? It was that which Jefferson and the other founders, John Adams and Benjamin Franklin, who were working on this with him, and then the other 56 who signed this, it was their mindset to say to the king, we are endowed by God with the right to be free. So we're going to claim that. Jefferson understood, as we should, that there is no freedom, none, guaranteed to us without the Creator. Why is it that we can say that we are endowed by the Creator, God, to these rights of freedom? All we have to do is look at Galatians chapter 5, where Jesus teaches us in verse 1 and 13, the purpose of freedom. Now we know that at the cross, Jesus set us free, says free from sin and death. And Paul, he describes it this way in Galatians chapter 1 and then chapter 5 verse 1 and then verse 13. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's the first part. Christ has set you free. So stand firm in that freedom because there will be one attempt after another by others to subjugate you to a slow yoke of slavery. And what we'll learn today is many, in many instances it was through the man-made rules and mandates, regulations that they put upon us. Then verse 13 he says, You brothers are, and sisters were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Other people can enslave us with their rules and regulations, but we can enslave ourselves to sin and to Satan's power over us by indulging in the flesh even though we have been born of the Spirit. Now, conceptually, try to follow me here. This is very important. Jefferson would not have been able to write, we are endowed by our Creator, these certain unalienable rights, immutable, unchanging. No no man can change these. These are given to us by God. No one can take them away. Although there those who try. Thomas Jefferson could not have said that he would have no authority to say that had Christ not set us free fundamentally. He set us free from the authority of those who are over us, even though we are to submit to those in authority. When God has put them in that place, they are subject to the authority of God, though, and our founding fathers, what they made sure was that if anyone was in a place of authority over us and they gave us rules and regulations that were not in keeping with God, what God's word says or what God has taught us, we could, we could change that. Now, before in the grand experiment with the United States of America, that just couldn't be changed without some kind of usurpation of the, the throne or some kind of war or some kind of power or coup or something like that. We've been set free from these man-made 
mandates and also the man-made machinations or the, the, the tricks and deceitful things that Satan does through man to, indulge, to enslave us to sin. So here's some good news. No matter what you might hear and what you might see in the newspaper or on your little screens or wherever you might be getting your news, you are still free. Why? Because God is still on the throne. And because Jesus still is at his right hand. And as long as God is on, on the throne and Christ is his right hand, you are free. And you should never, ever let anyone take that freedom away from you. You are free from the subjugations and sensualism of our current culture, which exploits us as some leaders try to use those things to drag us into enslavement. But again, I repeat, you are free. Say it. I am free. Say that. I am free. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you are not free. It is God-given. Our founding fathers, they encapsulated it in this declaration and in the Constitution and in the laws that we have. Now, I'm not saying all those things are perfect. But the concept upon which they are built, that we are endowed by our Creator with these unalienable rights, which among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have these things, and they are, as, as uh, Thomas uh, Jefferson pointed out, they're self-evident. You are free, so don't forget that. If God through Christ has set you free, then no man-made mandate or machination can enslave us again. But we have an addiction. And this addiction is to be enslaved by mandates and machinations. Just like the early Jewish Christians who were set free from the law of sin and death, but returned to it, causing Paul to write to them in this book of Galatians, what we read this morning. We have been set free by Christ's sacrifice. So why burden ourselves by the mandates of man or the machinations of man? We're already free. Endowed by our Creator, enabled by our Christ to stand firm in the faith and serve one another humbly in love. What that means is that God does not want us to sacrifice things that we don't need. He wants us to give away those things or give up those things that destroy us. Then we can serve one another in love. It's not about selfishness. It's not about elevating self. It's about giving yourself the opportunity to really be able to love other people in humility. We do not require man-made rules and regulations or man-manipulated sexualism or sensualism to guide us. Yet we are bombarded by those types of things in our life every day. So the better we understand the freedom that has been given to us by God, defined by Christ, encapsulated by our founding fathers, 
the greater strength we'll have to say, I am free. We will have the motivation, the inspiration to stand up and say, I am free. And as American, we have that added incentive as uh, people who were endowed by the creator and the very establishment of this nation on this idea of freedom. We have that added blessing from God that we need to protect. So let's dig a little deeper into what Paul says here in Galatians to help us understand what that freedom, how that freedom works in us internally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, things like that, so that we can stay strong, stand firm. First thing Paul says is to stand firm in your freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So he says, stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again, burdened by that yoke of slavery. Paul was confused as to why the Galatian Christians would turn back to the weak and miserable forces with their man-made mandates when they had been set free to be true children of God. What does it mean to be a true child of God? It means you're endowed with the unalienable freedoms that Christ gives us. We're set free from sin and we're set free from slavery. In Galatians chapter 4, just look back a little bit there in Galatians 4, verse 6 through 9. Paul said, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Now, here's Paul's reasoning with the Galatian Christians, his friends, is why would you enslave yourself to these man-made rules and regulations that were attached to the Judaism, the teachings of Judaism from the Old Testament, or what we'll call the law, there was the written testimony, and then there was the oral tradition. The oral tradition they equated with the written testimony of Scripture, and it was as much law as what the other was, and that was never the intent of the law. Moses didn't intend that when he brought it down from Mount Sinai. God never intended that. So what Jesus came to do is to fulfill that law, to show us what that looks like in real flesh. And then the, the, the apostles, including Paul, they helped flesh that out so that we could see what that, how that works in us. And one of the ways that it works in us is that we realize that we are children of God, that God is our Lord, that he is our king. No king but Jesus was one of the themes of the early American uh, culture. We serve the Lord. He is our king. He's our master. Why? Because he's perfect and he loves us and he provides everything for us. So why would we enslave ourselves to someone who would come along just like us, man-made, flesh and blood, and suggest to us that they have a way for us to have a better life? to think better, to act better, to feel better. I mean, it's just crazy what you can hear these days. 
If you have any kind of social media, including Instagram, it's filled with so many people who feel like they've conquered life and now they want you to subscribe or follow or uh, help monetize what it is that they're doing so that they can help you learn how to live. I'm not saying there might not be some, you know, some suggestions they might make that might help you with your health or some kind of exercise regimen or whatever, something like that. But they're flesh and blood. And it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all cameras and editing. It's gotten that way so much with the government as well these days with, well, we want to add to these freedoms by mandating our ideas to subjugate you to us, to enslave us to our thinking. We're children of God. We have no king. Why would we be enslaved by the feeble minds of men? So here's some good news. So hear it. You are free to choose the spirit of Christ to guide your heart or you will be enslaved to weak and miserable forces that are not gods, even though they pretend to be. Talking about the Declaration of Independence today, Thomas Jefferson called out King George in the Declaration. I think there were nine things that her 19th that they pointed out, but in part of the Declaration of Independence, Jefferson said King George believed himself to be a type of royal god. Or I'm sorry, he didn't, let, me say, let me say this again. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over the states. King George believed himself to be the type of royal God who could command the colonists to obey him and exact from them what would enrich him and keep him in power all the way across the pond, as they called it. Jefferson and the other colonists who believed that we should be free and independent states, they made clear to King George he did not have that authority over them. So they were declaring their independence. What man-made authority have you allowed to become a tyranny in your life that you need to declare independence of? Well, here's some good news. So here, you are free and you can declare it. And here's some good news. Share it because you have family and friends that are daily enslaving themselves to these feeble and weak-minded fools through their rules and regulations and you're free to counsel and call for change when government becomes destructive in light of what God has ordained for this nation. Now, a lot of people say, well, this is not a Christian nation. It is a nation that was established on Christian principles and concepts and ideas and patterns. 
But here's some good news that we need to share. We have the right to counsel our friends, to encourage them, and to call for change if we feel like our government is becoming destructive towards the ends that God intended for our great nation. That was for us to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness through work and through ownership and through the things that we do. Self-reliance. Jefferson said to King George that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to initiate new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and their happiness. And we know, we believe that God can provide that kind of wisdom and insight to us that we should follow. But here's the good news is if you are being enslaved by things that are bad and false and destructive, you are free to counsel and to change that. As we mentioned last week, it's been a long time, uh, but the Supreme Court overturned a decision that was made years and years ago in overturning Roe, as they called it. I hope you realize that our justices were applying these principles of freedom that we're talking about. If you read their opinion, they articulate very clearly that it is not the role of the federal government to dictate and mandate through this man-made idea, this rule, that um, unborn children are not people. That it had to, to go back to the states locally where people in communities, they decided based upon what they believed and what they thought was right that would bring safety and happiness to their community. It's easy just to from the top and say everybody needs to do that. We talked about Madeline Murray O'Hara and how the Supreme Court mandated to all school children, you don't have to pray, you don't have to hear the gospel, you don't have to hear the Bible. We'll get prayer and God out of schools. They just mandated that from on high. And instead of letting local schools and um, school boards and, and teachers and people like that to understand what the community believed in and what they celebrated and what would bring safety and happen to this and do that. So because some guys and ladies in black robes said you can't, then schools all over the country said we can't. And because some guys and ladies in black robes said you can or you cannot prevent women from this activity, then it was mandated to everybody in the country. There have been a lot of people behind the scenes who have been counseling and trying to change this by encouraging the courts to become more true to what the Constitution teaches and provides for us. And for me, this is my opinion as a citizen of the United States of America. I'm thankful that they've made this decision because it's a great scourge upon our nation when we legalize the killing of unborn children. So stand firm in your freedom. Sometimes you have to get into a little bit of a scuffle to stand firm in it. But 
Just know when people are trying to enslave you to man-made mandates that are feeble and empty. And we do that so that we can serve faithfully in our freedom. God, the whole point of all of this is so that we can serve one another faithfully and humbly in love. And we can only do that when we are truly free. If you look in other countries where there is a dictatorship or there's a, um, a king or a queen or where there's an emperor, where there's full authority in the government, like in the communist systems, uh, people are forced to do things and not out of freedom. And what God wants to do is create an environment, a country, as our founding fathers did, where we would want to do good for others. And traditionally, we've done that as a, as a country, as a nation. We've reached out to people all over the world with this idea of freedom to do good for them and to serve faithfully in our freedom. But Paul, he was frustrated with his Galatian Christian friends because they were willing to return to man-made machinations of sexual immorality and sensualism that manipulated their culture. When they had the very... When they had been set free to walk by the spirit that had empowered them with freedom over the flesh. So even as there are men who are trying to enslave us with their words, there are those who are trying to join us in their slavery to wantonness, to sin, to sensualism, sexuality. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, which Paul says after he says to us that we are free. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to tell us what the fruit of the spirit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's what it's supposed to look like. But... Paul's confused because his friends were so easily being drawn back into wantonness, sexual immorality, impurity, and the like. Debauchery, idolatry. Well, here's some good news, so hear it. You are free to choose to walk by the Spirit so that you will not gratify the man-made machinations of sexualism and sensualism that are so prevalent in our culture. I grow so weary and tired of saying, well, especially for teenagers, we just need to give them protection because they're going to indulge in sensualism and sexualism. They can't help it. That's just the way that they're designed. And God says, well, if you put the Holy Spirit in their heart, they have the power to overcome that and not walk by the flesh. Early founding fathers understood how this might work, how the crown was trying to usurp the authority of God in the lives of its people. So Jefferson wrote in the Declaration, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary 
for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of this earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and the nature of gods entitle them, decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to that separation. And that's what the Declaration of Independence was. It's that, it is that, uh, their declaration that they are impelled to make because they want to separate from the authority or the mandates of King George. Now, notice he says, the station to which the law of nature and the nature's God entitle them. A decent respect. And what God has always allowed for and what we have seen in our founding is a nation in which there was great respect for what Scripture taught, what God, what God, God's Word uh, allowed for us. And many of our founding fathers made comments like that it is a nation built upon uh, biblical truth and ideas, that it is a government for Christian or godly people, and that is so that we can be protected in all ways and that God can be honored in what we do as a nation. Part of the declaration of our founding fathers was to say we're tired of what the crown and what Britain is doing in usurping that, tarnishing us. So here's the good news. So you need to hear it. You're free to choose to walk by the Spirit. You don't have to gratify the man-made machinations of mankind through sexualism or sensualism or idolatry or discord or factions or selfish ambition or drunkenness or orgies or any of those things that Paul warns us about. You are free to say, no, I'm going to walk in the spirit. This is especially difficult for Christians today because there are ways that Christians can live out in decency without being out there in the public with social media and the like. But we must choose to walk by the Spirit. And here's some good news that we need to share. You are free to counsel and call for a change when you think our government, through man-made machinations, promotes acts of the flesh and we do this out of love and service not hate and restriction we are in a a precarious time right now where our government is mandating machinations that promote flesh and we must counsel those that we know and we must change this policy which is allowing for sexualism or sensualism to determine how people are going to be treated in culture and society. Now, it's not so that we can disdain people or we can hate people. We're to operate in love and service. And we do that because we know how things destroy other people. And now we celebrate what destroys other people and we take pride in it and say we need to just affirm that. God says no. We're free to counsel and change. We do this through love and service. Again, Jefferson in the 
Declaration of Independence, he said, Prudence indeed will dictate the government long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they were accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Helpful. You need a dictionary to get through some of those words, but basically what Jefferson is communicating is that when the government starts to celebrate that which is evil and force that upon those that are governed by it, it is our duty to throw that government off. Say no. No. Another ruling came out of the Supreme Court this week was interesting. They determined that it was okay for Joseph Kennedy to kneel on the 50-yard line after a football game and pray. Now, why was it necessary for the Supreme Court to do that? Because of the school system that he worked for said, you can't do that. Separation of church and state was their, their thinking. And the reason is because as he went and kneeled on the 50-yard line, other believers in the community and on the team, they went and they kneeled right there on the 50-yard line with him and they prayed together. It was not organized. It was just an informal gathering on the 50-yard line to pray. And somebody said, you can't do that in America. You cannot pray on the 50-yard line in America. So move to the 49 or 48 or I don't know. And what the Supreme Court did was they brought some sanity to this idea and they used what is in the Constitution to teach us that we have freedom of religion. And our founding fathers gave that to us because they knew there would be some weirdos come along and try to take that from us someday. And the good news is that we can change what is going on in government if we so choose when it is pushing indecency or ignorance upon us. We are free by God's doing through Christ, regardless of the circumstance into which we might be born. When Paul wrote these words to the Galatians, they were subjects of the empire of Rome. So we know that when we are called to be free, it is not about our circumstance. It is about our willingness. We are free, blessed by our founding fathers, to, ampl- or to apply this endowment of freedom to our current circumstances, regardless of those who might stand up against us. Now, they might stand up against us, and you need to ask them, by whose authority? They'll say, it's my authority. They can't say it's God's authority, because you have God's authority. We have the immutable right to freedom expressed in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or property or our own self-determination. And Jesus has set us free so that we would not enslave ourselves to man-made mandates, especially those which 
usurp the commands of Scripture in our life. Jesus set us free that we would not enamor ourselves in the man-made machinations of sexualism and sensualism, especially those promoted by our government. We must choose to walk in freedom and counsel and call for change, but that might come at a personal cost. As someone once said, freedom is not free. Fifty-six men, and this is not to start an argument about men being better than women or anything like that, but 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence. They did so knowing that they put their lives on the line in declaring their freedom. Five of the 56 Declaration signers were captured by the British and tortured as traitors. Nine of the 56 Declaration signers fought and died in the American Revolution. Four of the 56 Declaration signers lost their sons in the Continental Army or had or son, or their sons were captured. And at least a dozen of the 56 Declaration signers had their homes looted and destroyed. So better than half of the signers paid some horrible price for this freedom. And they knew it. But they believed in the cause of freedom. And so they were willing to sign their names. Now, why was that big? And why is that a big deal? And we John Hancock signed his name bigger than everyone else. He actually did that before the others signed. He did that because they were sending this to the enemy. And these men who signed were saying to this enemy, I am not, you are not my king, and I will not listen to you under the authority of God. And they knew that King George had a better and bigger army that could come in and decimate them. And that's exactly what he tried to do. But here's some good news. We are free. Say it. We are free. Oh, say it with some conviction. Oh, better than that. There you go. We're free. And Paul was trying to encourage his friends in Galatia as he encourages us today through the written word that we are to fight for this freedom that we are to defend our freedom against anyone, family or foe, who might impede or infringe upon it, but do so out of love. <laughs> Lee Greenwood, you're very familiar with his song, God Bless the USA, I'm Proud to Be an American. You'll hear it a thousand times this weekend. You're, I'm going to play it for you here as after we pray so we can just uh, be inspired a little bit today. But in any rights, I thank my lucky stars to be living here today because the flag still stands for freedom. And they can't take that away. And he says, I'm proud to be an American. Or at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. And I'd gladly stand up next to you. And a vendor still today, because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. When you hear words like that, obviously, you know, it chokes me up. But he says, I'm lucky to be living here today because the flag still stands for freedom. And they can't take that away. But we know there are those who are trying. 
And here's some good news for us as Christians. We are free. God has set us free. Christ has defined that freedom for us. And our founding fathers have guaranteed that for us in a governmental system. So we have every advantage to stand up and fight and defend her still today. I'm not calling for revolution or civil war. I'm just telling you to talk to the people in your family and vote when you can and know what your candidates stand for, what they believe in, and only choose those who will represent and honor what God has taught us in his word. Now I'm going to pray and then just remain seated. Uh, hopefully, Seth will have that ready for us here with God Bless USA. Just watch it and be inspired by it and then go out and enjoy your time with your family and your friends tonight, tomorrow, as we celebrate this 4th of July weekend. So let's pray. Father, we are uh, grateful, extremely grateful, for the blessing of life and liberty and this pursuit of um, happiness where we can live our life out as individuals and not as subjects to any man-made rules or machinations. And I pray we've learned something here today that we may need to stand up strong, proud with other believers and defend what we know is true, what our founding fathers fought for and declared our freedom based upon. Not to sit in silence and let those who are in the world around us, based upon their own feeble and weak authority, to tell us how we should think and what we should feel and what we should do. Because you have taught us that already in your word. So help us to have the courage, Father, and the conviction to stand up with you and serve in this freedom that you have blessed us with as our creator. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And let all God's people say, Amen.